I'm happy to be with you. I, I'm glad that we're hearty New Englanders. No problem, right? <laughs> with this uh, carousel. Well, let's see here. There we are. I've chosen as a topic this morning, heavenly mindedness, the view from above. Isn't that a nice picture? <laughs> We're down there somewhere. The Lord is watching us today. <laughs> These are the countries of interest for me. I have a Finnish background. <laughs> That's why the pink cheeks. We start way up in Finland and look what's been happening in these years. This is one of my famous uh, favorite maps showing the countries of interest uh, just in these years. Latvia, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Moldova. Then if you come down, we have Georgia, not on my mind. It is on my mind, but, um, and then Armenia. You can see Armenia is close to Iran, Azerbaijan, Turkey. Oh, it's been quite a couple of years, hasn't it? The, the war in Ukraine and the, the situation in Armenia in September. Uh, Azerbaijan just took a whole section of Armenia and thrust 160,000 people into Armenia proper. Uh, our outreach this Christmas in, our, in Yerevan was two families who were displaced from Artsakh. Uh, Armenians call the eastern part Artsakh in the West, we hear Nagorno-Karabakh. That's, that's the name for that Eastern section. So uh, it's very much in our prayers and in our focus. Well, in 2018, this man on the left, Pashinian, came into power. And the man on the right is really to be contented with, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, Armenia struggled to break free of neo, I call it no, new Soviet control, <laughs> through challenging developments. Uh, and I call it the original Soviet enterprise, which ended, we, we thought, uh, 30 years ago. But there's a new slant on things, isn't it? Going back to the harsh ways. I was telling Pastor Steve that having lived in Russia for, for some years, well, I'm in my 45th year of ministry, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I was eight years in Moscow and in Volga uh, area, along the Volga and Samara. It just breaks my heart now that we really can't go there now, or that things are so stringent again. Um, but I lived through these years. Uh, 1992 to 4 was the actual war with Azerbaijan. And then the Yerevan uprising I was there. We lived through that. It was a scary time. Uh, the streets were blocked. We couldn't go around. About 100 people were massacred on the streets of Yerevan for, during that time. And my furlough was scheduled for the end of March. And I left on schedule. And 24 hours later was the bloodbath on the streets of Yerevan. Then the four-day war in Armenia. I was there. The Velvet Revolution. And then another 44-day war. 5,000 were lost. So you can see the original war didn't solve things. It kept simmering terribly, I have to say, with motivation from Turkey uh, uh, toward Azerbaijan. 
And then just a couple months ago, the end of September, was another grab of a whole territory in eastern Artsakh. So things are not finished. Uh, Erdogan, the head of the dictator of Turkey, wants a Turkic corridor all the way through Turkmenistan, Central Asia, all the way to Mongolia. And the problem is Armenia sits right in the way. <laughs> so it's a terrible situation. And as I said, it's not a free situation. There are new repressions in former Soviet lands. Lots of prayer needed, isn't it? <laughs> These are just some of, this is the area that was just taken in September. Look how many beautiful ancient Armenian churches are now in Azeri uh, Islamic hands with a future we don't know. It's just heartbreaking for Armenians because those are their heritage from 3,000 years. Uh, look at those. That's just a taste of some of the things, all of that's been taken now uh, just recently. Well, this is our team. I was there promoting Boston. I mean, I was there last summer. <laughs> I'm there now from May through August every year. And you can see that Tatevik is here on the right. Her, her little girl that I brought home from the hospital 14 years ago is tall. <laughs> and her little boy, uh, Ovid, is not so small anymore. He'll be 12 soon. He's a pianist, having chosen for European contest in piano. So he's quite prolific at piano. And, it's a source of pride when I go and hear him play in the various competitions there in Yerevan. Sachevik's husband, Surin, is the back and in the back there, and he's quite a behind-the-scenes guy. <laughs> he's willing for her to lead, and he really supports us. Praise the Lord. You've met Tatevik, Nancy, but not Surin. I think that happened just after you were there. Yeah, what? And then Tigran is our computer guy. On that side of the ocean, Chuck is our computer guy on this side of the ocean. And then there's K Tigran, we call him the king because we had two Tigrans, so we call him King Karol Tigran. And then Maher, who's a fine Bible teacher, he's an actor by profession, but he's really good teaching God's word in the villages. You, you met Maher, yes, and Tigran, yes. Well, we haven't had Project Paros for a couple of years. There was a little thing called a pandemic. So we're hoping in the future that things will settle down enough for people to come. We almost had some come this year, but then you know how things are in that part of the world. So they backed off, but we're still hoping that people will come. Thank you, Nancy, for being part of that early team and to your husband for encouraging you to go. Well, we have a victory. This week, my book was published. Three years of work, and I've let it all out of the bag, what's really been going on over there. So be ready for whatever comes on those pages. I wasn't able to put all the color uh, chronology in the textbook. Chuck, it did turn out not to be a penguin paperback. It's more like a textbook. So we put the pictures, the chronology for the same years in a separate follow-up, a shorter uh, section so you can see pictorially what God's been doing as well. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say I have another victory this week that I don't need knee surgery. 
I've had a very bad autumn with this right knee. Both have been bad from falls in Armenia, different years and gotten worse. But MRI found two small meniscus tears that God healed. Praise the Lord. So I was worried about rehab, you know, before going in May. And everybody's given me stories about, you know, what happens. And so all I need is for the cardiologist to sign off in April, and I'm going. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So uh, Chuck prepared some little announcements that are on the back table about the book. Um, I haven't seen copies yet because it'll take a little while to get them to me, but they're available through the the uh, publishing house, also, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other groups as well. So that's the long and hopefully short of it. <laughs> Heavenly mindedness, the view from above. Whatever is true, did I do that correctly? Yes, okay. We have a wonderful verse in, in Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, any praise, think on these things. Colossians 3, if, if you've been raised with Christ, think, seek those things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above. Many years ago, there was a Russian cosmonaut <laughs> who was the famous hero of the Soviet Union. Some of us were alive in 1961. And... He completed the first manned space flight in Vostok 1. He beat the U.S. We've, we've forgiven, I think, by now. He became an international celebrity and was awarded many prizes, including the highest hero of the Soviet Union. The, those letters on his helmet are USSR in Russian, SSSR. After his flight, he came to Samara on Volga for a rest visiting the famous aerospace facility. Samara was, Kuybyshev was a closed city till 91, and I was there pioneering Youth for Christ, not long after that. One girl on our team had a mother who worked in that aerospace industry. And I have to say that uh, two summers ago, in Armenia, in the town of Gagarin, we had a youth program. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> how the Lord opened doors at that time for our program. Well, supposedly, when he was out in space, he made this famous statement about his exit flight. There is no God, Boganiet. In other words, I didn't see any God up there. Well, later a friend refuted this statement, saying it came instead by a, a speech by Khrushchev. So this is a historic controversy but it was used to great effect by propagandists all through the years, in schools, on posters, and so forth. Well, welcome USA. We had some epic things happen as well, didn't we? These are Armstrong, Aldrin, and Collins. What are they famous for? They were heroes of the US space program. Those of us of a certain age recall, 
his statement from above the earth. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Aren't we great Americans? We know that. A few years later, after Gagarin's famous orbit, Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon in Apollo 11, the module Eagle with Michael Collins, who stayed in the lunar orbit, Columbia. I would have stayed in orbit too, I think, and let them step on the earth. Anyway, those are our heroes. Doesn't this fill us with pride? <laughs> I've heard that Japan just landed on the, uh, some kind of satellite on the moon, right? So other countries are getting into the act. Well, rocket launches, Cape, Cape Canaveral's given us spectacular views from on high. Would you agree? <laughs> now, where do you sit on an airplane? Near the window or in the, along the aisle? We have some window people here? <laughs> Looking out. Well, I like to say that staring out at the expanse, we reflect on our lives, we reflect on the vastness of the world and the majesty of God as the creator. How can you help not think about that? <laughs> Such a view jolts us, jolts us out of our confined earthly nearsightedness. It propels us into the open, mind-boggling stratosphere of the heavenlies. Now, don't you just thank the Lord for creating scientifically-oriented people? I'm all philosophic, and I can hardly understand the stratosphere the troposphere, the mesosphere, but some of you here may be more gifted in that area. <laughs> Imagine layers of Earth's atmosphere created by the Lord, all with a intent and purpose and beautiful symmetry. No wonder all those cosmonauts and astronauts had to buckle down from childhood through endless academic years and coming to terms with astrophysics, which I can't really even spell. No wonder all those NASA launches from Florida needed so much fuel-propelled moxie to get them off the ground, right? And no wonder we here below are left to simply marvel at our heavenly creator's forming of myriad galaxies. Our galaxy is just one, isn't it? from however many. <laughs> Mind-boggling is the right phrase, I think. <laughs> just the right calculations, just the right proportions, just the right symmetry, just the right loving kindness, mercy, and grace needed to carry out his eternal plan. Isn't this how believers in the Lord Jesus should view God's missional mandate in coming to earth? <laughs> this is my proposition today. <laughs> By seeing the whole picture, caring not only about our Jerusalems and Judeas, but reaching out towards Samaria's all around us to the ends of the earth. The satellite from above is spectacular. That's our Lake Sevan in northern Armenia, where we have our lighthouse center. Google is very helpful, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> but God's view from above is even more spectacular it's beyond comprehension. God sees with laser focus through rotating planets, asteroids, space debris. 
and God sees with laser focus deep into our hearts. Isn't it true? He has laser focus. In John's gospel, it said Jesus knew what was in their hearts. That word to know, knew, is repeated many times in the gospels. Well, if we go back to the Old Testament, Elijah needed his perspective adjusted. He was at rock bottom, ready to quit. He was frightened, overwhelmed, feeling like a failure. He was running away with prophetic resignation letter in hand. I submit to you. <laughs> he was convinced that he was the only believer left. He just wanted God to take his life. Well, during Jesus' passion, the time which we're coming to now, there were dark days. There was opposition, but the prophets had that he, foretold that he would be despised and rejected, hated without reason. He surely felt frustration when dealing with situations here on earth. It's easy at times to feel at rock bottom as Christians today. I think maybe you agree with me that the enemy tries to step in and grab hearts wherever he can. He is certainly grabbing the hearts of dictators toward increased power, territories, totalitarian control. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, can it get worse? Lack of morality, lack of concern for human life. When I think of Ukraine, the thousands that are just at the front lines. Shocking violence and evil. Deception and disinformation. Do you ever feel heavy from these things? <laughs> We've seen efforts post-COVID to normalize life, to use airlines, to flux parks and stadiums. And we wonder, will there be interest in coming faithfully to the Lord's house as well? We pray for that, don't we? Jesus promised not to abandon us here as orphans. Jesus is in heaven interceding for us at the right hand of God. God will keep drawing people to himself. Do we believe that? <laughs> Through all these things that have been listed, God will continue to work. Well, there's not much to see out of the airplane window when you're sitting on a tarmac. Do you agree? Especially if it's delayed. <laughs> but once you get up into the skies, the view is majestic, depending on clouds, right? <laughs> there's not much coping power if our spiritual lenses are skewed, if the perspective is not clear. It's our choice whether to launch out into the wonders of God's kingdom. It's our choice to focus on God's eternal view from above. Jesus empowered the early apostles and all believers not to feel that we're at rock bottom, not to be frightened, overwhelmed, not to feel we're the only believers left, not to run away with resignation letter in hand. <laughs> Jesus is still giving perfect gifts for our life below. The gift of his presence. The gift of his glory. Do you ever feel that he just lets you know that he's active in our lives? 
I have four brothers. One got confused and went to Florida years ago to live, but three are in Ashburn, Hams, Fitchburg, Leominster. They've been watching out for my car, my Chevy Captiva. They were worried that it wouldn't start this morning, so they were out there with Prestone and uh, what is that gas line juice uh, additive, right? Well, I got down the hill from UMass, I'm living right in Worcester, and on the bridge, the car stopped. I pulled, got it pulled over and tried again and it worked. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I felt that he was with me. I said, Lord, thanks, I need to be in Westboro. <laughs> but the brothers do a good job though too. Gift of his Holy Spirit empowering us, the gift of his promises, shielded by his power. Do you ever feel that he shields you at times? Isn't that a wonderful gift? <laughs> The gift of his mercy and grace that's new every morning. Aren't those wonderful things that we have at our disposal? <laughs> the view from above. The Bible gives a clear distinction. The one from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. The heavenly and the earthly. Today, as in Jesus' day, many philosophies came to be the truth, claim. One is from below. And this is interesting. The one without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. They are spiritually discerned. That's what's going on, isn't it? Those of us who belong to the Lord, when we read Scripture, we have to dis spiritually discern who God is, what he's doing, the truth. It's a very important verse, isn't it? Another philosophy is from above, a heavenly philosophy, a message from heaven to earth, from revelation through Jesus in Hebrews. It's a wonderful reminder, isn't it, that in times past, God spoke through the prophets, but now through his son. Everything has been fulfilled in Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and whom, through whom he made the universe. Now, sometimes we, uh, with our topic today, to be heavenly minded. Have you ever heard, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? Isn't that kind of a catchphrase? Well, that's not the point. It's not a matter of using heavenly mindedness as an excuse to be aloof here on earth, right? <laughs> First priority, we have to make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord and then things will work out in a horizontal way. On the one hand, what happens when we do not look up and are not heavenly minded? We can be focused downward. Now this is a temptation in the age of these smartphones, isn't it? <laughs> um, when I go to a public place, everybody's looking down at their phones. <laughs> So we need some protocols, don't we, to know how to stay connected with people and not always be downward focused. We can be faltering, discouraged. We can feel a lack of balance that the world is spinning out of control. What is going on? But this is not the abundant life, is it? Not the way for followers of Jesus to live. On the other hand, what happens when we do look up our lives are bound with Jesus himself. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So such a mindset does not nullify the life we have on earth. It transforms our lives according to the norms of heaven. This is a life worth living, even in this world of crises and discouragement. How does our team in Yerevan remain heavenly minded through these endless geopolitical, geopolitical crises? I just descri described to you uh, the huge population of Russians when the war in Ukraine began that came through. Many have stayed. They were trying to avoid conscription, weren't they, in, in Russia? Some have moved on, but many have stayed. And tensions have increased in Armenia. And now in September, 160,000 more, with only 60,000 maybe moving on, all the rest taxing transportation and housing and education and stores, and it's a, a real congested situation. So I explained to you that I was there through all these years of crises, the, just the last few years. And I've seen how Armenians have a bag next to the door because they don't know what's coming next. Will Azerbaijan take even more territory? Uh, will Turkey march through Natichivan, the section in the very east there? What does that mean for people there where we've had programs right next to the Iranian border? Well, what I tell them is Keep looking up. <laughs> Keep focused on the Lord with the kids' programs, with the adult Bible study, teaching basics of Christian faith. I asked Meher and Tatevik if they're getting tired of teaching basics of Christian faith. They say, no, every group is different, and something new comes to us every time we teach it. So we just praise the Lord. We have more opportunities than we can handle now. In the first years, 20 years ago in Armenia, uh, it was really slim pickings. We had to prove ourselves and prove that we weren't a cult or a sect, or a dangerous group, but that we were helping young people come toward faith and toward the church. So it's a good problem, isn't it? To have, we have to choose now what we do in the winter and spring. It's quite a thrill. <laughs> Keep focused, keep moving forward. How do Christians in war-torn Ukraine stay heavenly-minded? We still can't fathom the destruction of apartment buildings, the, the elderly who, who are suffering, having school now in the basements and in, in metros, uh, but the untold deaths, we just can't fathom, can we? I was sharing this morning how all these years we've been training youth workers to be youth leaders in churches all these years in the countries that I showed you. Little did they know that in this day and age, they were going to have to be social workers, <laughs> providing food and clothing, helping with documents, finding whatever was needed for people, switch of gear. <laughs> of course, they're still doing Christian work too through that. But we have to be sensitive to what the needs are, don't we? The felt needs. So they're helping faithfully and courageously. Although I'm not with Youth for Christ now, I'd like to follow Youth for Christ, what's happening with all the programs that were started in those countries in those years to see what they're doing. Praise the Lord. Keep looking up. 
How about these countries that I mentioned? When we talk about Ukraine, we don't always mention all the surrounding countries that are affected. I worked in Estonia, uh, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, all these areas over the years. And they're all deeply affected by what's happened with the, uh, the war, the Russian war against Ukraine. Terrible disruption of millions of lives throughout the region. North from Ukraine, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Finland. West from Ukraine, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia. South from Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria. Uh, last summer, after I left Yerevan, Armenia, I touched down in Sofia, Bulgaria, and went to the Black Sea, because I've done five locations on the Black Sea, and that one was missing. <laughs> it was full of Ukrainians that had fled down the coast of the Black Sea through Moldova, and now Bulgaria is trying to handle thousands of refugees there trying to enter into life. I'll tell you a secret. After Yerevan this summer, can you guess what country I want to touch down in? There's one that I've missed all the years because it was so dangerous. When brother, we worked with Brother Andrew's groups and delivering Bibles. Chuck, I think you know, because I've told our board that you're a member of, a faithful member, Albania. It's a tiny country there that had the most horrific regime through Soviet years, Anvar Haksa. He just decimated millions of the people. And he built 75,000 cement bunkers against the West. Now all those cement bunkers are just there to be blown up or whatever. How do you handle it? 75,000 in a tiny country. So this will be a thrill for me to see Albania where I can go freely with my American passport. Amazing, yes? But that's a secret, don't, don't tell anybody yet. Okay, so when I was there in Bulgaria, I worshiped at an international church and I was very excited that they're serving the Lord in the post-Soviet years there as well. Bulgaria was a really tight Soviet ship in those years. How do Christians in the Middle East now, in the midst of shocking evil, remain heavenly focused? I call it shocking evil. Is there a better description? We're just unspeakable, isn't it? The Holy Spirit prays for us when we're heartbroken, simply overwhelmed. We just offer the Lord's prayer, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's bigger than us, isn't it? Keep looking up. Now, how do we in Northeast USA remain heavenly minded? Would you agree that we have a divided country? <laughs> that there are geopolitical, it's a morass, fears about jobs and recession. How do everyday people with jobs, families, friends, neighbors grow in heavenly mindedness? Heavenly mindedness is an invitation to abide in Jesus. It's an invitation to participate in his mission in the world. And I like this one. It prepares us for the day when we'll be with him always. This is bon appetit, right? <laughs> we'll be with him one day, those who put their trust in him.
So we begin our days with Jesus. We fix our worship on Jesus. We retreat throughout the day, thanking him for getting us off the bridge and over to Westboro. We set our minds on things that are above. means set our minds on him, doesn't it? Uh, at my church, my home church in South Ashburnham, on the billboard, the pastor put, New Year, same Jesus. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Keep focused above. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Keep the lenses clear. Keep an eye to the ground. Remain intentional and focus. Always looked up. My mother uh, was a sturdy Finnish woman from Gardna. And her influence uh, growing up in the years influenced me because I grew up hearing about the big bear of Russia to the east. And that helped lead to my missionary vocation in that part of the world. She passed away some years ago. And you know how it is uh, when you lose a parent, you find things that were important to them. How about this that I found in her drawer? <laughs> Keep looking up. Now, she didn't live to see my book completed, although she stars in it. <laughs> but she was mission-minded and was able to go with me to Finland when I did my very first delivery of Bibles into Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg. She waited in Helsinki with relatives who had fled from what is now Karelia, Russia. So she was very nervous and glad when her daughter showed up again in Helsinki, Finland. <laughs> but she planted in my heart, and my father, who was a pastor, planted missions biblically in my heart. He was a wonderful preacher of the gospel and the mandate for missions. So um, it's all our victory, isn't it? What God is doing, what he has done. And I'm so happy to be reminded of her in that way, uh, that she told our family, keep looking to the Lord, keep ser serving him faithfully, stay focused on the things that are above. Scripture is clear. The view from above is amazing. But our sovereign God has everything here on earth under his heavenly control. I heard someone say amen, right? <laughs> Yeah, he has everything under control. No matter what we see, what we're trying to do in service to him, it's all larger than us, isn't it? <laughs> but we focus on him because he's sovereign over all and he has things in control. Is that an encouragement to us on this chilly day <laughs> in the USA, <laughs> in Massachusetts? <laughs> it is a great uh, encouragement that Going into this new year, he's the same. Opportunities change. We have to move with what he wants us to do and stay in tune with him. We certainly do pray, don't we? May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning thankful that you are sovereign, 
You are the Lord over all. Lord, we want to keep our focus on you as we go through life. We're all at different stages. We all need to be listening to you in different ways. And yet as a body of Christ, our focus is the same, that your will will be done on earth, through our lives, through our church, uh, through your people. This morning, we're led to pray for Ray and Cindy, Lord, and the situation in Ukraine. We're heartbroken that we're in the third year now of a senseless war, seemingly senseless. And Lord, we're, we're praying also for Armenia, for our team there, uh, trying to minister to those who've, who've, whose lives have been uprooted from Eastern Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, give them the words to say to encourage people. Help us as I go in a few months' time to be encouraging with summer camps and teaching special seminars and outreach there. And Lord, we do pray that all that we do in this coming year will be uh, pleasing to you, pleasing in your sight. With those things that are beyond us and overwhelming, may your spirit intervene for us when we just can't make sense of it. And I pray for this fellowship and the wonderful friends who've been so faithful over the years here. Continue to do a work here. We believe, Lord, that you're going to keep drawing people to yourself because it's your kingdom that's coming and your will that's being done. In Jesus' name, amen.